3: Welcome to the Medicine Path. I'm your host, Brian James. On this episode, I have a wonderful, rich conversation about Icaros, the healing songs of Amazonian plant medicine with Dr. Susana Bustos, who is a transpersonal counselor, professor of psychology, and independent researcher on entheogenic shamanic traditions of the Americas. In our conversation, we talk about the function of the Icaros in ayahuasca ceremonies, as well as their function in the individual healing process. We also have a rich discussion about how the Icaros are learned and passed on, some of the musical characteristics of the Icaros, and we delve into the mystery of how they might be facilitating healing with or without ayahuasca. So, please sit back and enjoy this conversation with Dr. Susana Bustos on the Medicine Path. So I'm here with Susana Bustos, and uh, I just first want to start by thanking you for taking some time to meet with me, Susana.
1: Sure. My pleasure.
3: Well, you know, I was really interested in talking to you because um, I think we have a lot of common interests. You know, I was reading your bio, and you have been working in music therapy, um, psychotherapy, and interested in altered states of consciousness and specifically working with ayahuasca and other plant medicines Mm -hmm. and i believe you wrote your phd dissertation on the icaros the healing songs of ayahuasca shamanism is that correct that's right Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm interested in all of those things and how they relate to each other and you've been doing this for longer than i have uh as you know as a focused study So I'm really interested to hear some of your thoughts on what I've been thinking about and what I've been observing in my own experience.
1: For sure. I'm happy to, why don't, why don't you start with your observations, you know, and then maybe I can expand from there.
3: Yeah. And and I thought it would be, hmm, maybe responsible to just add a bit of a disclaimer to this discussion because to talk mm-hmm. about ayahuasca shamanism as if it's one thing is misleading and I think incorrect. I, I found that there's so much diversity within South American ayahuasca shamanism that uh, I can only speak from the experience of working with, you know, a handful of healers from a couple different traditions, but there are, are so many so many traditions within South America. So I just want to to kind of start off by saying that what we're talking about doesn't apply generally to all ayahuasca shamanism but it's related specifically to the people that we've worked with and the traditions that we've um, had firsthand experience with is that fair to start out like that
1: i think it is you know uh, when i taught I, ta- I teach a class that's called entheogenic shamanism mm-hmm. and um you know over the years uh, my thought has been to change it to entheogenic shamanisms. And then uh, every time that we talk about shamanism, you know, I say, well, there are as many shamanisms as healers are um, in that, you know, or shamans are, you know, I, I hate that that word in itself because it, because it has been like overly used, you know, and there are so many different kind of ways Um, that emphasize different aspects of what you know we call a shaman right in different cultures and I totally agree with you I think that uh you know we're talking about um about certain general aspects but also idiosyncratic aspects and if we're talking about the Icaros you know, as Icaros, we're talking about, we're like situating the conversation within a, within like an area that's called vegetalismo, right? And and that's Peruvian vegetalismo. So shamanic songs for ayahuasca are called differently in uh, Brazil, in Ecuador, in, um, in different countries and in different also um, traditions that carry that. So we're situating this conversation within that frame, which is the Peruvian vegetalismo, right? That's from the upper Amazon. And even within that, depending on the types of lineages that, you know, are part of that um, mestizo tradition, because this is one of the characteristics, right? It's not pure indigenous, but there are indigenous lineages, you know, that um, are part of, are considered vegetalistas, right? And work like, with certain general principles, right? Mm-hmm. We find differences in the way that uh, the songs are used and the types of songs. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally agree with you.
3: Yeah, that's really helpful. When I, I just spent some time with Maestro Juan Flores at Mayan Yaku, and I know you've had a long relationship with him. Um, and I was asking him about this use of the term shaman, and he was okay with it, but he, you know, I think uh, very accurately said that uh, shaman is a very general term, and Mm -hmm. in Peru, we're called curanderos, but we're talking about the same thing, essentially. Um, Yeah. So maybe a good place to start is if you could help define or talk about the etymology of the word Icaro, because I've heard some different things, and there doesn't seem to be a general consensus on where exactly it comes from.
1: yes totally we don't actually nobody knows there are some speculations and the first speculation was made by uh, luis eduardo luna a brazilian um, sorry he's from ecuador um anthropologist who brought he, he studied vegetalismo and brought it into a dissertation in the 80s for the first time so he thinks that Icaro comes from the Quechua language, ikarai, And Quechua is the variant of Quechua in the jungle area. Um, and icarae means uh, to, to blow smoke in order to heal. Mm. So there is... You know, in my own research, I, I tried to find also etymologies and I found a similar roots in uh, a couple of other ethnies that were not part of um, Peruvian ethnies, but there is an association between the, the, the breath, blowing breath, and opening up pathways, right? With the use of smoke, so you know that also tobacco, you know, it's used um, uh, for healing purposes, and uh, also the the breath used in the song, so the sound that comes with the breath, right? So it's likely, it's possible. There is also a similar word in shibibo, but they 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 um, you know Pano language. Uh, but they use maybe six or seven different uh, concepts to describe their songs you know to uh, and one of them is similar to Icaro or Icaro right that's as much as I can say you know we we don't know where it comes from and we know it's a Castilianization could be like you know a Spanish I don't know how you say that in English but it's a making it in Castilian, right? That's the Spanish that we speak down there uh, from the Quichua.
3: Yeah, like um, a Spanishization of a Quichua word or something, which there is a lot of mixing of language, which is something that I want to talk about in the Icaros themselves. There's a lot of play with language. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about what Eduardo Luna said about the Icarar to blow into... It's really interesting to me because one of the words that keeps coming up for me when I think about ikaros is um, inspired, that the icaros are inspired by the relationship to the plants and the experience of healing that the shaman has had with the plant. And the etymology of the word inspired really means in inspirited, so infused with spirit. And the old use of the word was was to blow into or to breathe into and so i think sounds like there's a very similar meaning there but the idea yeah. that the breath can be infused with spirit and therefore transmitted to an object or a person
1: correct yeah correct mm. yeah and then also the idea and i would i would add that to to this you know like John Halifax and, you know, other people also have talked about how the body of the shaman gets transformed, right? There is a transformation through the relationships that are established. And in that way, the breath, the voice, the resonance, and we can talk also about the resonance because this is part of like what I have been like uncovering more and more, right? The resonance of the voice is very important when Incaros are sung. You know, and that that means a different type of body, a transformation in the body.
3: Yeah. Right. Like it's like a reshaping of the instrument is going to have an effect on the resonance, the sound yeah. that uh the breath is passing through, just like different shaped flutes will produce a different sound and different resonance.
1: Yeah.
3: Mm. Yeah. yeah, this is something that I definitely want to talk about because I've noticed a difference in um different singers. And it seems to me to depend on their level of experience, but that's something I want to touch on later. Um, so just continuing with trying to define and give a context for the, for the Icaros, um what would you say is the function of the Ikeros within the ayahuasca ceremony?
1: So, um, you know, there are different ways of, of looking at this, right? But basically, you you have an effect on uh, the what's happening at the scene level and at the non scene level when you sing. So you're you're uh, changing uh, and influencing also the subjective experience with the song. And there are you know several functions that are. Uh, you know, described in the literature for, uh, for songs that are sung in ayahuasca ceremonies. Like one is um, those songs that kind of uh, uh, elevate the mariación, so the state of drunkenness of the, um, of, the of the brew, right? Uh, so those are called, called Icaros para levantar mariación, then there are Icaros to decrease the mariación, right, to make it like lower when it's too high. There are those Icaros that are uh, calling in certain forces to work with the client in a particular way or with the group in a particular way. We have also Warmi Icaros, that are the Icaros, Warmi means uh, woman in Quechua, right, and those Icaros are... Um, I have, I have, you know, in my own experience, like listen to listen less of those, but they were used to just lighten up the uh, the energies of a very heavy um, uh, ceremony. A very I've,
3: heavy. I've, yeah, I've always heard that water may ecodos are like love ecodos Is that right? The,
1: um, yes and no. There are some that are like. Um, love and directed to women and to female energies but then there are those ones too that um that are also called warmi ikaros that are kind of like they are made to laugh uh, they bring they bring a trickster kind of energy they may bring also bird energy into it um And Huami Icaros outside, well, during ayahuasca ceremonies too, but also outside of ayahuasca ceremonies, the ones that are directed to women in that way normally are related to doing amarres, which is is to tie two people together in love. You know, one doesn't want to necessarily, that's why, you know, that song is fun, you know.
3: (laughs) It's like a love spell.
1: Like the love spell, exactly. Yeah, and that also, you know, that's also a very interesting uh, aspect of uh, vegetalismo that has been changing also over the years, you know, as it gets much more um, commercialized, I would say, and like widespread, you know, where, but, there, you know, there is a lot of uh, sorcery, you know, that's part of what is, still part of the culture down there and that we tend to hygienize out of the experiences. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, So I've seen uh, curanderos singing Icaros into different objects to bless them or uh, say infuse them with like protection or singing into water or a plant concoction before they're used are the Icaros ever sung to a patient outside of ceremony specifically for healing purposes?
1: Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Icaro, if you, uh, the Icaro is like the main kind of weapon. That's the way that Rosa Yove, um, a physician who has worked at Takiwasi from the very beginnings of that center for drug abuse rehabilitation, Peru that uses, you know, traditional medicine and, uh, Western medicine she says that the Icarus are the weapon of the healer you know there are the also the way that um the in the heritage to the apprentice that that's the that's the way that the the healer moves in in his uh dealing with the spirit realms right so of course, it's not reduced to uh, the ayahuasca ceremonies. It's just like a a tool that it's used in different other circumstances, such as uh, during plant dietas, right? When you harvest um, plants, when you cook the plants, when you're about to to give a medicine to somebody that's non-psychotropic, you also sing on it. You sing on the person in order to open up pathways in that person too, to bring in that medicine, with the presence of the medicine after or without. So you may be, you know, having somebody who is uh, following a kamalonga diet, right? But you will, you may sing that the ikaro of the kamalonga into the body of the person first, or um, or both. Holding the medicine and singing it into the person to activate the medicine as well as uh, and make the person receptive mm. to that medicine hmm.
3: mm-hmm. and so it's clear that the uh, ecodoses are still thought to be effective even without the use of ayahuasca
1: that's correct,
3: yeah, mm-hmm. they're just healing songs all on their own um, and so maybe to kind of flip the perspective. So I asked uh, Maestro Juan if ayahuasca itself can heal without the Icaros. And he said that there needs to be a maestro who's directing the plant spirits with the Icaros in the ceremony. Um, and what are your thoughts on that? Have you heard a different perspective?
1: Mm-hmm. I have heard different perspectives, for sure, but not from the vegetalistas the ones that I have uh, studied or have had the chance to interview. Like the majority of them would like incorporate Icaros. Though there are some, you know, some of the people that I have known that do ayahuasca diets. So um, the person would be left, you know, in the, in the tumble, you know, having drunk some ayahuasca as part of the diet, right, and uh, without icaros, right, N- not with the with the healer there. Mm-hmm. So, um, in that plant diets are have those two purposes. They have the purpose of uh, doing, you know, helping with healing and introspection, but also with teachings. So, yeah, that could be an exception in that
3: way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason I ask that is because um, there's you know, a growing number of what I might call neo-shamanic ayahuasca circles happening all over the place. And mm-hmm. people may not have had a lot of training in vegetalismo, but they still might be serving ayahuasca. And one of the things that I've heard is that, well... It's the ayahuasca that's doing the healing. I'm just here to hold space and to facilitate. And within some of those circles, they might be singing um, what I can maybe think of generally as ceremony songs, uh, which come from different traditions. So they might be singing some Hindu mantras or, you know, a nice folk song or something like that, right? Um, And you know according to Juan it sounds like there's a missing element there of the maestro of being the conductor to help direct the plants and Mm -hmm. um to facilitate the healing more um more purposefully or more directly yeah
1: so in in my and this is Again, you know, like coming to that to that disclaimer that you have, you know, I think that, you know, in the course of these 20 years, I have been like in touch with many Culeanderos besides Juan, who I know very well because I have worked with him for so long, right? Um, and I have never heard um, um, that the medicine would do the work on its own. And in, in that way, it's always a relational thing, right? And a knowing, a deep knowing of the medicine that's kind of kind of like, um, in, in that the medicine knows you too as the healer, right? That is at, at stake. I remember many years ago, the first time I was in the jungle actually seeking um, healing for myself. That's another story, but I was there and I met Don Solon Tello, who was an old curandero from the area of Iquitos I didn't know anything about him I just went to seek for help and I found this person and he treated me and I told him about something that had happened to me in a you know a, a kind of neo shamanic type of uh, ayahuasca ceremony in another country um, and uh, where the songs were recorded and you know and put there and uh, and then I had a like a, a very challenging Uh, energetic condition that's why I went to the jungle you know that opened up after and he said to me well you know without songs you only see serpents Mm. you know you only have serpents with in the visions um or you know with not the proper songs I don't remember exactly you know but he was like you know just stressing the point of having um the right song there uh and then it's it, it, I think it's still an um a nebulous kind of thing there is no right answer I try you know with my with my own experience I try to be more conservative in that way you know I, I prefer that because I have seen I work with people doing integration work, you know, and I have seen like a lot of uh, energetic imbalances happening. When a ceremony is not held, um, it's held like almost always with all good spirits and good heart.
3: Good intention.
1: Mm-hmm. Good intention, right? And um, But there is us our elders tell us there is a whole way in which the unseen worlds need also to be in place to create the right container for people to do the work. So that requires training and a lot of training to know what are you doing at that level. And there are like a lot of, I mean, a lot of possibilities of things to go wrong and a lot of possibilities for things to go go right. Um, when we work with the ayahuasca, to, you know, in, in this tradition, this cosmology, it's a being, right? Mm. It is a being. Um, we're treating uh, most, most of the times, you know, um, this as a psychedelic where... Um, where there is a substance that's ingested, in this case, is venerated. You know, it's deified by the Westerners. Not everybody, but many, right? Um, so many people go and say, uh, you know, whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. I just put my will in your hands to do whatever you think it's right, because we're deifying it with elevating it to another another realm
3: you know right it's mother ayahuasca exactly just give me whatever you think i put myself in your hands exactly and yeah i think like what you're saying about these these let's just call them neo-shamanic rituals just for the sake of the conversation Um, all these words are problematic but um yeah i think like that element of like Kind of physical safety that is often there um, the kind of the the good intention and the caring for people and the wanting to help and be of service to people those are beautiful things, but those are only one element mm-hmm. and I think what I'm coming to understand is that all of the elements if they're in place so All of those things I just mentioned, but also the skillful maestro who has a long relationship with the plants, who has done a number of ceremonies, so he understands the group dynamics or how to work with patients directly. If all of those things are in place and the songs are there, of course, that it just improves your chances of having a more successful journey, being one that is safe, but also healing in some way is effective exactly safe and effective those are the words that i think of as well um so you might get lucky if just some of those elements are in place you know it's safe people are like caring and and all of that Mm -hmm. you might get lucky and have a wonderful healing experience but i just think it's about improving your chances and decreasing the chance for something to go very wrong on a more subtle level
1: that's yeah
3: yeah. Okay. Well, I would like to talk a little bit specifically, you know, I'm a musician, you're a musician. And so I've been kind of studying the Icaros from that perspective as well as also a participant receiving healing, you know, it's like, I can't help myself, but notice certain things about the Icaros and start to see uh, different commonalities and patterns emerging. Um, so I guess one of the first things that's become really interesting study for me is the melody and we talked about eduardo luna and i read that he said that the healing is in the melody itself that the the words are are secondary that it's all about the melody really
1: that's a, a lot what the old curanderos said i mean what by old curanderos i mean um you know we've had this explosion this expansion of ayahuasca consumption you know in the past like 15 years I would say um 10-15 years uh the old curanderos that I also um he studied you know in the 80s 70s and 80s right like and then people who um I also have interviewed that are like where at that time when I did my study like also like 15 or more years ago I don't remember anymore um that were old curanderos 60, 70 years old would say exactly the same. It's the melody. It's also the, the first thing that you get. It's the uh, when you're receiving an Icaro because there are different ways in which you can like uh, get Icaros, right? Uh, one of them and the most uh, valued is receiving Icaros. They, they would also say that's the first thing that you get, the melody. Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as I've been studying and trying to understand more about the Icaros and how they work and why there's differences in kind of the styles of Icaros from different traditions, different centers, different healers, like all the way down the line. Um, I've been trying to learn some of the words that are used. And a couple people have actually uh, discouraged me from trying to understand the words literally, because they say that, you know, it's all about the vibration. But I think if it was all about the vibration and the melody, if that was the only thing that was important, then the ikeros would just consist of the vocables that we often hear in the ikeros, the, the <laughs> syllables that don't really have a particular meaning, but mm-hmm. they're used more to carry the melody. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was only the melody that was important, then the ikaros would just be... Rai, 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 rai you know, something like that. But there are words used. And so mm-hmm. I think that there must be a function for the words. Mm-hmm. And in trying to learn some of the words that are used, what it seems to me from a like relational therapeutic perspective is that the words are often really about the patient and helping the patient to feel calm and safe and trusting of the healer and the plants. So having the faith that the healing is going to work for them, this seems to be a real integral element of the words that are used. Um, And then maybe something else I've observed is that a lot of the words that are used, it seems to be a way for the healer to, uh, to express gratitude to the plants to kind of strengthen that relationship. Um, and I'm wondering what you think about the words. These are just some of my observations and thoughts.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, some some healers may include this, like, uh, these words, right? That are, like, also uh, words that somebody who knows a little Spanish can also understand. And this is, like, um, just saying okay, well, there are Icaros that are completely in quichua, right? And there are uh, others that are completely in, in Pano, right? In Shipibo language, right? Um, there are, you know, Icaros completely in Aguajun. So, you know, for a Westerner to go there, like there is no understanding really of what's, you know, what's being sung to them. But in those that use Spanish too, you get like, you know, those small uh, words like amigoini right um so the friend you know uh you get like para curarte or para sanarte so to cure you to heal you so the those are like intercalated in an icaro and people may grab onto them and just like have have that effect, as you're saying, you know, of like, okay, he's like doing that. It's like I I can't can't trust here. I can't surrender. This is for this. In in one way, um, in you know, in uh, Juan's work, the you know Ashaninka and and, and and a mix of other things, because he ha- you know he has incorporated also from from other traditions. It's not pure Ashaninka. Um he he sings to the plant so that as an honoring to the plant to give thanks to the plant and also a he he sings to the plant so they can keep growing and they keep growing as he sings to the tronco to the trunk to the leaves to the cogollo and the flowers right um he is singing the, grow, the action of the plant inside the people and inside the room. Mm. Right? He is performing an action by singing directly to the plant to perform itself the action on, on the others. He's not doing it. He's directing the plant, stimulating the plant to do that. He would say, and he will call it, to make the plant, medicine, dance around.
3: Mm, is this the remoelina, like when it's talking about the swirling action? Is that kind of what he's calling to?
1: The swirling action, there are like two different things. One is the, the, the walking in circles. You know, he would say he brings in the, 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 the spirits of the plant to dance around the circle right, while he's singing to the action of the plant in its own growth, right? So he uses if, um, if you listen to his Icaros, he uses a lot of syncopation because syncopation is also part of the dance in the way that culturally dance was um, happened in the jungle areas like earlier, You know, we're not talking about now, but like uh, when you do veladas, for example, which are night long ceremonies um, where where people dance in front of uh, saints for the whole night, right? You have music that is full of syncopation. So in uh, Juan's Icaros, you will also find syncopations and they are not really marked but they are present there constantly to make the plants dance around the maloka.
3: Oh, that's so beautiful to have that image because yeah, i have noticed that he's singing to the trunk and then to the branches and then to the flowering buds. And then there's these words that are, yeah, like circular swirling. And uh just thanks for filling out that image for me. It's so beautiful.
1: Sure. And then we have the remolino, which is like a word that is used in in certain uh, icaros that you know, not only Juan's, you know, it's also like across other healers. You know, the remolino is the strength of the waters, and normally is associated with the water doctors.
3: Uh, yes, like it comes up in icaros about uh, bobinsana, for example, which is a wa- uh, a plant that grows by the river and is said to have a lot of the qualities of water correct
1: yeah. uh, uh-huh so I, let me ask you you perceive then that 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 there is also swirling quality in the Icaros themselves uh
3: well sometimes but it was more just um kind the of look, looking at the language and the word and trying to understand why he's using certain words and uh you know and and so to maybe counter the argument that I shouldn't bother learning about the words. Cause it's just about the vibration. When I, when I know some of the words and these images are evoked, it enriches my experience and deepens my connection and love for the plants. Cause like s- so much of the Icaros, it's so sweet. The way that the curandero is singing to the plant. It's so loving. Like yes. at my Antioca this last trip, there was a visiting singer from Lima and he seems like someone who's done a lot of dieting. And, um, he, he's a very strong singer, um, like strong voice, but also like beautiful pitch and and tonality. And his name is Wheeler. And it seemed like he could just sing for hours and hours and hours. And one of the characteristics of his Icaros was he would constantly use the word. Linda or Lindo, when he's talking about the plants or their qualities or their, you know, parts of the plant, everything was Lindo, Linda. And the person who was sitting next to me during one ceremony leaned over and said, who's this Linda he keeps singing to? She must be really something special. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, knowing a bit of Spanish, I know that he's just so in love with the plants and he's um, praising their, their beauty. Yes,
1: correct. Yeah, that's, that's it, you know, and Juan too. He also uses Linda and Lindo a lot in that. So it's a, an act of praise. And also remember that this is part of the way that Juan does that, right? Like he sings to the plants to perform what they need to, to do. There are other uh, parts of, of Peru and vegetalismo, you know, that uh, don't sing just to the plants. They would sing to uh, other natural forces, they would like bring in, um, uh, you know, the the entities, the strengths of those healers that have passed already, or there are just the tabaqueros, the ones that like use tobacco. They would bring in uh, the alcanforeros, the ones that use alcanfor, the uh, you know, in in the igaros themselves. So they would bring in different like uh, spirit forces, you know, and I. They are still, I am saying spirit forces instead of spiritual forces, because there are like a lot of distinctions here that we could like go into it. Yeah, yeah. Right. But spirit forces into the the work. in Juan tends to just like be purely into the singing, to the medicine, to the waters, to the plants.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the so there na-
1: are distinctions. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So like the natural forces. Although yes. I did, I do remember him singing about a barco, a, a boat that comes in with uh, a lot of médicos, a lot of healer doctors on the boat.
1: Yes.
3: Right. So there is some of that too, I guess. Yes. But for yeah, sure. lots of praise of the plants, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I really love that. It's because uh, it's something I can really connect to. You know, if, if I die at a plant. Or taking ayahuasca, it's, um, I feel like I'm in relationship with the plant. I mean, there's nothing more intimate than taking in a plant by drinking it, uh, or inhaling it, you know, in, in the case of tobacco, um, there's nothing more intimate, you know, this is like deep union with, with, uh, another being. Um, and so for me, it's like, if I feel the healing effect of something like Bobansana, which I, I really did, you know, it really helped me with some of the headaches I get in in the heat of the jungle. And I feel like uh it cured me of that um, you know, knock on wood. It's still I'm still feeling really good from that. Um, but then I just feel like so much gratitude and love and like I want to sing to Bobansana all the time. I'm in the shower and I'm like thanking Bobansana for <laughs> for being in a relationship with me and giving me something that I really value. And that is like actually real to me, you know, it's not just some like concept of, you know, being in love with a plant spirit, but actually um, receiving some real tangible benefit from these plants. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're not out in space here. Like, it's like if someone like really enjoys chamomile tea because it helps them to sleep, it's like fall in love with chamomile and remember chamomile is a plant and and look at pictures of it or go find it in the wild and form a a real relationship with the living plant. you know it's not just something in a bag that you don't ever see
1: well, I think that that that's very beautiful the way that you're articulating it, you know, and this is like kind of like what is at the core of this cosmology. Right in in this cosmology of vegetalismo, like every single plant and every uh, natural element, even non natural elements, you know, have have a like a, a counterpart that's spiritual that has a sentience, has a its own agency in that way, in that you can relate, and it's it's such a different concept than the one that we have here. Mm -hmm. and not it's not a concept when we talk about the cosmology like we're talking about a real experience the way that you are describing it you know you just like honor it. you you it's and you are not alone you know that sense of like superiority and and like uh, agency of the human being like in in this web of interconnectedness that starts opening up and being revealed to you you know, like you can. You, the only thing that you could do could do is recent, decenter, you know, decenter, so that you can find these other relationships. You know, mm. it's very, it's fascinating.
3: Yeah, I mean, one thing I loved about Juan is he's so clear on this. Um, you know, when I asked him what the function of the Icaros were, basically he said that it's a way of giving gratitude to the plants. And, you know, I, I spoke a little bit with him and what came out of that was this idea of reciprocity, that there always needs to be a, an offering back to the plants. And I think in the West, what we've been conditioned to do is just to take. So we, we take an herb, we take a medicine, we take something because we're suffering. Mm-hmm. So we take and we take and we take and we take, but we're not taught to ever give back to even you know just a little kind of invisible gesture you know if you're drinking a cup of tea to like remember the plant maybe visualize it and just like offer a little thanks to it like don't make a big show of it but just like remember that this is a this was a living being and it gave its life for your headache or your constipation or whatever it is you know I think it's a really, really valuable thing because if we're in a more a relationship of reciprocity with the world around us, we're just going to take better care of it because we care for it. And um, this is, of course, the biggest problem that we're facing in the world right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I agree. And as it it cares for us, I think that that's also. You know, like when you're saying, "When I'm cured of this and this, when you know I inhale this uh, air, you know, when I drink this water, you know, and I'm being taken care of," mm. and we just forget.
3: Yeah. Okay. So going back to the that element of melody in the icaros. So one thing that I've noticed in both the Shipibo healers and the Mestizo mixed-race healers that I've worked with, their Ikaros are all based on the minor pentatonic scale. And mm-hmm. the minor pentatonic scale, you know, as a student of world music for many years, it shows up in cultures from all over the world, from all eras, from East Asia to Africa to the Americas. And I'm wondering, have you... First of all, have you noticed this in your own research? And have you done any research into the melodic structure of the Ikeros? Like, have you gone into that kind of detail with it?
1: Yeah. Uh, and there there are some, you know, there's something also written, you know, like you know, be- before. I mean, in bern mm-hmm. Rebecca de Mori, mm-hmm. who is an ethnomusicologist from Austria, uh, who has studied a lot. First, Icaros and then shipibo music, shipibo Icaros, You know, he he has uh, a, a lot on uh, musical structure and stuff like that to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, minor pentatonic is like typical. Mm-hmm. Then uh, by by binary mo- uh, binary tempos, right? Then syncopation, small intervals. You know, not large intervals, except for, you know, like I would say that the Shipivo are an exception because they use all these um, high pitches and the use of the breath and, you know, the endings and the inspirations, you know, like it's all like a very different way of singing. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a music therapist that's called um, Benenson. Uh, Roland, I think it's Rolando Benenson from Argentina He talks about the different layers of uh, kind of sonic layers that we have like uh, in our uh, in our psyche and you know, of course he has the minor pentatonic as part of the archetypal, archetypal sonic structure you know, mm. that we have. So we recognize that as a, just like really um, in ourselves and our genes in some way.
3: This is exactly like what I've been thinking about the minor pentatonic over the years is that it's, it's like a universal language and that it's some it's something that's fundamental to being human. Otherwise, how could it emerge in all these different places at different times, you know, places that never had cross-cultural mixing? It's there. So it must be in us somehow. Yes. And I'm totally fascinated by that, but I have no real answer as to what that means or you know, or why it is.
1: Yeah. What? What? The, exactly. Why does it happen with that? Yeah, melodic thing. I don't. I don't know. I don't have an answer either. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we can speculate things, but I. I don't know that. The curious thing is that, you know, also in Heidelberg, you know, there is all these studies in in the Department of Music Therapy where they are, you know, they work with generating or supporting with music trance states. Right. And they, of course, use long long sounds and they use uh, pentatonic minor scales, Hmm. you know, in in, um, small progressions a little bit of syncopation, binary rhythms. So we go back to the basic structure of the basic Icaros, right? Mm -hmm. Now there is a diversity of different Icaros, right? Um, Yeah, I don't know.
3: Um, Well, one one of the things that I've been thinking of that maybe you can shed some light on, um, Mm because you've been researching this for such a long time, Mm -hmm. is... Okay, so noticing this this presence of the minor pentatonic is being common to a lot of the Icaro styles, whether those are Shipibo or Mestizo. Yes. And wondering for myself, okay, so the pentatonic seems to be something that's fundamental to human experience, um, but also wondering just how much influence pop music has on the Ikeros. And I'm wondering if you've seen a change in the Ikeros, like are they, are they morphing and changing over time? And do you think that that's somehow influenced by the music that people are listening to on the radio or in the dance halls?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, The lyrics also are changing. Hmm. Uh, You know, I see that more often when i go to uh you know to the area of parapoto which is in the border with ecuador um that area i can see i can see the influence also of world music in the new icaros that are coming up um
3: can you give an, think, a, can you give an example of that i'm interested in that
1: um well, I can I cannot sing it to you, but I have like some uh, some recordings, you know, of this kind of new icaros that incorporate, like, say, Andean styles in, into into it. The way that they are performed, there is a lot also of incorporation of musical instruments that are not from the Amazon areas, you know, in the in the new icaros. Um, um mantras, you know, uh, traditions from, from the East are coming and forming new Icaros as well, you know. Mm. So there's mm. uh, this mix between, yeah, mantras and new Icaros. I don't know, on pentatonic scales you, my, in minor, right? Like you can you can hear an Icaro and you can hear the mantra at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that this is like too... Too unusual. I mean, if you think of if you think of the structure also of certain Icaros in the eighties, you know, and maybe even in the seventies, because we don't have very early recordings, you know, this is like more like an oral tradition. Uh,
3: I was gonna I was gonna ask you about the the recordings. If there were recordings from, say, someone like Marlene Dobkin, who started visiting the Amazon in I think the sixties. So I was going to ask you about that. How far back you've been able to track recordings?
1: Not too far back, hmm. you know. Uh, you get when you interview somebody like, uh, um, I'm not saying his name right now, but uh, like an old curandero, still alive. He's, he must be now in his 90s, actually, in Chasuta. You know, you can get like old songs that he got from before so you know we're talking about he, he's 90 now you know like you know he got from a generation before so that's the way that we can like you know kind of get those songs but uh i don't i'm not aware that magin never was like uh left um something mm-hmm. you know physical i do know that luna has a very uh very large um collection of, of songs from the seventies and the eighties though. And he hasn't done much with it
3: mm. yet. Yeah, so where's I'm, that gonna end up? Waiting. Come on, me too. I'll you know, I'd even volunteer to help him archive those.
1: their your internet connection
3: isn't Oh we're back I think, yeah. Okay. I was just going to say I would help Eduardo Luna archive that collection of Icaros, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I think that there are several of us who are, like, ready to just, like, jump into it, but I'm going to keep that in mind (laughs) on the chance, because that's a lot of work, you know, it cannot be done by one person, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, but there is influence. You can see, like, there are certain dances and stuff that are, you know, as I said before, I was mentioning the syncopation and this music for the veladas that's that's also coming from Spain originally, you know, and then it morphed, right? You you can see, like, the syncopation in the Icaros, you know, of the maestro and some others too, you know. Um, It's like the heartbeat is not regular, you know, it's also syncopated in that way. Um, you know, you, you may also think that there is an influence of this this music that's surrounding people, right, into the way that they uh, sing, you know, and they find something beautiful. It's also cultivated. Mm. So, um, but it has this, like, core motifs and, you know, core characteristics that would ca- classify the Icaro as and kind of an Say archetypal sonic structure, you know, something like that, right? Yeah, and it those also are the, has influence yeah. of what's happening in the surroundings.
3: Yeah. Mm. So, would you see that archetypal structure as being the things that you mentioned? Um, uh, what was the term for the rhythm that you use? Was it binary rhythm? Binary
1: rhythm. Mm-hmm. What does that
3: What does that mean exactly? That's a new term for me.
1: And so, instead of like dum 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 you know it's just binary binary right
3: right like no swing and it's like eighth notes kind of thing day yeah, day, 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 day 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 that kind of yeah. thing yeah okay so that kind of uh binary rhythm the um use of the minor pentatonic the small interval jumps so they're kind of condensed short Mm -hmm. melodic phrases i found you know it seems to be like two bars like eight beats is a typical kind of phrase that acts as a framework which then you can kind of hang different words on or different sounds and so that seems to be the the constant uh which creates a structure within which you can then improvise and add all the different words and everything. Yeah.
1: The words and also like changes you can, you may like, you know, you have like eight, you know, and then you may like make it 10, right? Like when, when I did my study, for example, like I I was interested in looking at those Ikaros that people identified as as the strongest ones that provoked a pivotal healing change in them during an Ayahuasca experience. And those, when I, you know, people, people recognize the Icaros like 100%, like that's what they said after listening to the recording of their ceremonies, right? And um, those Icaros that they picked, you know, when I analyzed them, they had like between like 30 and 64 variations. So uh, the interesting thing is that for them, they, like a regular ear cannot perceive the variation right? Like you go all the time to the same home, you know, your mind gets entranced basically with the simple basic structure and the melody that returns to its point constantly. But the subliminal mind apparently is influenced by the uh, diverse amount of variations that's instilled in that, thus allowing Allowing the mind to generate like new responses.
3: You, I've so. been I've been thinking about this actually. It's it's great mm-hmm. that you bring it up. Um, so, what I've been thinking about is how the ikaros can serve to function in the ceremony of being something to anchor your attention to, uh, mm-hmm. to keep you like really present and in your center and engaged, right? Mm-hmm. And that if the ikaro is just too regular that the mind just gets used to that and becomes kind of bored with that. And so mm-hmm. we'll wander off and the slightest amount of variation will help keep the mind engaged. Cause it's like, oh, something different. So even if you're not consciously thinking that mm-hmm. there's something like the mind can just tune out if it becomes too regular and that mm-hmm. some variation, and this is not something I'm sure the maestros are even thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, now I got to add an extra bar here just to mix things up. Right. But um, I was just, thinking about, you know, noticing that kind of variation uh, and then thinking about, you know, what kind of effect that might have on the participant. And I th- I feel like it's uh, something that keeps the mind really engaged and really present to what's happening. What do you think? Mm-hmm.
1: That's possible. I think that it pro- probably does. And uh, I think I, I was more going into what I let me let me put these two two thoughts together. One has to do with the uh, with the saturation of of sound, right? Like with the, basically the amount of harmonics in the voice, right? I'm interested in like the the function of uh, healing that the icaros have, mm-hmm. right? Like how is it that this these icaros, you know function and of course they there are explanations that are like spirit spiritual to to call in some way you know and then there are or energetic and then there are explanations that are musical and then there are explanations that have to do with the context the set setting you know it's a complex type of answer you know in itself but at the musical level you know if i also like um compare if you have, like, going back to Juan, if you have, like, uh, a series of singers, you know, and you go back to his range of voice, you know, and when I was analyzing the spectral uh, spectral analysis of his voice, you know, it was just, like, full of harmonics. Mm-hmm. And it was also potentialized by the background river, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. in, in everything that's going in the jungle, you know, at nighttime, it's, like, kind of... Full, full saturation of sounds, right, and then you have all this, um, you have all these variations, and not it only an expert healer, can, or you're a really like good musician can have that. Um, flexibility you know to just like sing all these variations like you see the apprentices that are just starting you know they come back they are repetitive you know in that way they go you know they tend to have more stable more easy more simple kind of structures in their in their songs you know than what Juan has um in others for for sure Uh, so my my Thinking goes into what if the amount of harmonics the saturation of sound that creates in some way or another like a white noise kind of background with the variations that are subliminal at the at the musical level right would create like a Energetic structure, I don't know how to, mathematical structure would create some sort of structure in space and time in the psyche. So that new reconfigurations of this psyche are possible in the interaction between that psyche that's emerging, new material, and the sound. Hmm. So that, you know, and, and, you know, I'm thinking of this for many years already, you know, and, uh, you know, you, I don't, I don't know. there is a lot of sun. Um, I'm thinking about this for many years in that it's possible that there are certain things that allow our unconscious mind to have outlets, but find new forms of expression. That it, in what you know, healing entails the breaking of older structures that are repeated over and over and over again. Right, and become habits. Right, to just open to open up into uh, new possibilities. So how how do we provide those those accesses, and then and then it has to be in a way where there's an interface that is livable and it's not gonna cause the full destructuring of the psyche, right? So if that healing has to happen in the interface of the inner psyche and what is offered outside, so it's a co-construction. It's not it's not something that comes from the outside because you know it needs to be together in that way. So that's something to think about. You know, I will keep thinking about and finding connections. But um, you,
3: you know, and this, and this is really why I have this deep interest in 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 looking at the elements of the Icaros and what is creating that opportunity for healing, growth, and change. Right. Um, because if we can understand that, then we can transfer that healing potential anywhere. Anywhere there's a voice, anywhere there's a guitar and a voice, anywhere there's a maraca and a voice. So, because for a lot of people, first of all, economically, it's impossible for for them to go to the Amazon or even in America to go to a weekend ayahuasca ceremony. Um, And for some people it's just not a good idea psychologically for them to, to go into those kind of ceremonies. So is there something of the ceremony that we can uh, transfer and still offer some of that opportunity for healing in a way that's really safe for anyone? Um, and, and what you're saying it's I'm getting this image, this like potential for the psyche to, to grow. I'm thinking of like, the way that those old patterns are a lot like when we don't take care of soil and the soil becomes really hard and there's no way for something to emerge from that. And so Mm -hmm. there needs to be something that breaks up the soil in order for, and then thinking about the way that in Juan's Icaros, he's like singing the plant alive, like it's growing as he's singing it or something and how maybe that's, some kind of metaphor for this emergence of something new and and fresh in the person. It's like we've, we've tended the soil and it allows the opportunity for something new to grow and to flower and flourish in the person. Um, a new way of being a new way of seeing things, a new way to relate to self and other. Um, any, I'm just like loving kind of the imagery of this, like the plant Mm -hmm. psyche as a plant or something, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. There's also like you know the pro- providing structures for that climbing of the plant you know to happen to be solid you know and in in that way and I don't know if you are familiar with the work of uh, the the one the one paper that Marlene Dobkin de Rios wrote with the, somebody else
3: but the jungle gym right
1: the jungle gym
3: <laughs> right yeah. it's like a trellis structure that the plant can grow. Right onto
1: exactly but the difference here is that she talks about culturally um defined pathways you know when she refers to this jungle gym you know in the form of the songs right so they would be like culturally defined in um in their in their melody and whatever right i think that i would move this a little bit farther and i would it's not just the the structure of it it has to do with the harmonics and the range so it's directly related to the resonance of the voice and the resonance of the voice in vegetalismo according to many of the people I have uh, you know consulted um, is related to uh, to the number of diets that you've done so how many diets, how many relationships, how much your body has been transformed through this intimate connection with, uh, with these other sentiences, you know? That is what gives you the right resonance. And therefore, your harmonics enlarge. So it's like beyond culture cultural pathways here. Yeah. And then the variations, you know, it's also like the mastery of the song.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to get too kind of materialistic or literal about anything, but I'm always interested, you know, when when we kind of, we we hear the stories from the the healers, right? When we kind of like hear the stories from another culture and how we interpret those stories. And I think sometimes we do take things like very literally. And mm-hmm. I'm always like trying to open my perspective and maybe... Seeing some of those stories as a as a metaphor, or just a different way of speaking that isn't so natural for for me as an English speaker mm-hmm. um, to speak in a, a I don't know a language rich with imagery that isn't so literal, but it's pointing to something, and I'm trying to maybe understand what that thing is that it might be pointing to. So, so one of the things that I'm, I'm thinking about here is. The idea of the more I diet plants, the more that that changes the structure of my voice. But if you're dieting plants for a long time, you're aging and you're singing that whole time and you're developing your voice as a singer might. And of course, we know that as we age, it changes the quality of our voice. And often the voice becomes more rich with harmonics as we age. And I think especially if you're smoking Mapacho. It's going to give your voice a certain richness, a harmonic richness. I'm just wondering, like, I don't want to be too hung up on the literalness of that, but I'm wondering if you think that that is playing a factor, it's just a matter of time and practice and the effect of aging on the voice. I don't
1: know uh you know there are a lot of uh sound healing systems that like uh like are trying to go and develop diagnosis systems where you can find the quality of uh psychological and physical health of somebody through the voice the imprint of the voice
3: hmm.
1: right so um from i'm i'm forgetting names right now it's that's old age that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) um right now i'm like forgetting but there are a couple a couple of systems that are pretty much developed here you know in the united states that work with machines to just like get get the, you, the, the people diagnosed through the voice so know? like they're
3: looking at the sonic imprint of, of people's voices and somehow mm-hmm. being able to diagnose their mental and physical health through that exactly that's mm-hmm. really interesting i've never heard of that
1: oh yeah yeah and this started with and again i'm like tomatis You know, in France, like many years ago, like at a more rudimentary level, you know, saying like really like this, the digital imprint of a person's soul and physical being is the voice. So, uh, you know, like in considering that, um, and I think that I, uh, I tend to lean onto that too, when I say what I'm saying, you know, about um, about the, the work with the plants and the transformation of the body itself. Of course, we age too, you know, and of course we smoke, but I don't know how that affects the quality of a healer, you know, and mm-hmm. a healer singing or a healing song sung yeah. by a healer.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't want, like I said, I don't want to get too hung up on the material Uh, perspective on that but i think like i also don't want to just think too magically about things either you know and and i'm sure the reality is that it's a combination of all those factors right um
1: when you see probably like i don't know if you have heard like all good and singing but the resonance is completely different um yeah uh No, I've definitely
3: noticed that. And, you know, Mayantiaku is a great place to observe that because of the kind of communal nature of the ceremonies where Mm -hmm. you've got Juan singing, who he's in his 70s now, I think, and been dieting plants a long time. And you've got all of these different levels of study in that Mm -hmm. same group. Someone that's been dieting plants for a year might be singing in the ceremony. Someone who's Mm -hmm. been doing it for 10 years might be Mm -hmm. there. And I noticed a real difference in the quality of the voice and in the quality of the visions that the song produced and also Mm -hmm. the, the, um, the related effect that I felt in my body. Uh, and that got me really interested in that. You know, what is it about the quality of the voice, the frequency at which they're singing? Um, Mm -hmm. I noticed that the older singers in the room were singing at a higher pitch than the younger singers. Do you have any insight into that?
1: It depends. I mean, Juan is a tenor, right? Mm. Like that's his range. So he can go also very high. Um, My experience with kind of older Cuyambegos is that they tend to uh, sing. um, Mm. It's much more guttural kind of uh, song and um, yeah. But then if we locate ourselves also in that context, you know, at that time, there was also the belief that the Icaros could be stolen, right? So you would not sing like wide and open as, you know, you may find now because you wanna, you wanted to keep your Icaros for yourself, you you know, you didn't want the others to hear very well the melody or understand very well the lyrics.
3: Mm -hmm. and so kind of related to this in um, you know one of these stories that I hear over and over again usually from westerners Mm
1: -hmm.
3: uh, who are really enchanted by ayahuasca and plant medicine um, it's this insistence that the only true Icaros are learned directly from the plants and so one of the things that that got me thinking about was that so if the if the ikaro, if this is true, and the ikaro is coming directly from the plant spirit, wouldn't the song always be the same, regardless of who is singing it?
1: That's a good question. Um, I don't think so. And uh, and again, I go back to, and the, and in fact, it's not. In fact, it's not. If, you know, if you have uh, one Pudendero singing to the bobinsana plant, you will have. On, on the other side uh of the jungle another curandero saying, to the Boinsana plant another icaro. Yeah. And of course in, of course it's a relationship. So again like the concept of like when you when you build that relationship that has a uniqueness to it. That is exactly the interface between the plant and you.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And the the same plant like growing in in chasuta will be like a different plant. It has a common gender and a common thing, but it also has a specificity to itself. Where is it, where was it born? How old is it when it's harvested? How was it harvested? Mm. You know, how are you dieting and honoring it? You know? And then who are you? Right? So to me, the song is an expression of that union.
3: Beautiful. Yeah, the way I was thinking about it, very much the same, except I never thought about the individual plant, how that brings something to it. But, like, for me, coming back to this word inspiration and how the inspiration comes from something out there. Uh, it could be the love that you have for a woman, you know, the love you have for a plant. And that inspiration comes through us and it get, is filtered by. Our soul, and so it takes on some of the flavor of our own experience and where we are in our life when that inspiration gets channeled through. Um, and so, you know, I, I say that, yeah, it's not just the plant, but it's also it's also us. And I love how you just said that—that that it's a, an expression of the union of those two beings coming together. And so, yes. Juan Zicaro about Bobansana is going to be different from the singer across the Maloka from him who comes from Lima and dieted a different Bobensana plant. He's a different person, you know. Um, yeah. And I don't know. There's something about that that uh, just adds a richness to it that, that it is about the relationship. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I agree. You know, I love what what Juan said, and uh, this is maybe counter to the way I've heard Icaros being talked about in in that, you know, you you must diet and it's only the song of the plant and, you know, you can't learn someone else's Icaro or whatever. But what he said was, um, I have become an artist in the music of the plants. Mm -hmm. He says, I can sing a song to the plant in the way that I wish that song to be. I'm an artistic composer of the plant's Icaros, and it's the ayahuasca that gives me the strength to make the vibrations of the Icaro. And I think this is really pointing to that truth, that it is an it's an act of art. It's inspired that the artist, the singer, <clears throat> is playing a role in that. And, you know, I, this, like, really touched me because... When I was in, at a young age, I was really discouraged from singing because of a, a couple different experiences, you know. And I mean like discouraged literally, in that I lost my courage to sing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like some shame around that. And it wasn't until I started to work with ayahuasca in the Central Daime Church, where I learned to sing the hymns in Portuguese, you know, supported by a, a whole group singing, that I regained my courage to sing. And now, singing and chanting is such a big part of my life, and you know I've experienced so much healing from it, and the people that I sing or or chant to also say they experience something really special and like Juan said, it's the ayahuasca that gave me the strength to feel confident to make those vibrations and to like let the inspiration come through me mm-hmm. so have you do you sing? Have have you been inspired? Have you received your own songs? Do you share them mm-hmm. with people?
1: Yeah, occasionally, especially when I go down to the to Peru to sit there with my maestro.
2: hmm
3: mm-hmm. And what's been your experience of receiving icaros? Have you learned them from Juan or just from the plants? How's that worked for you?
1: Well, I think that it, it has followed, you know, there are like this these three ways that people like get Icaros that I have seen everywhere, right? Like one is like the reception, the direct reception. And, you know, I have some experiences with that as well. Then there is uh, the transmission of songs from the maestro to you. Uh, and then there is like the creation of uh, this inspired music, you know once there is a foundation, you know, or not foundation because people also say, I just create an Icaro, you know, and they can sing the Icaro thing is the effectiveness of the Icaro, you know, we were talking about effectiveness before. And um, so in what ways it just uh, evokes, provokes not just uh, an an aesthetic um, reaction, right? But that really like deepens, you know, the the possibilities of healing of for somebody, right? So that it's not just an exploration, but there's something, you know, that comes up. Anyway, so transmissions. I, I'm gonna go to my my personal experience, but I also wanna say that that you know transmissions. There, there was in Chasucha this uh, tradition within Vegetalismo that also transmitted. Uh, from the maestro to the apprentice by inserting energetically the Icaro into the body of the of the apprentice and that was a procedure that could take like up to six weeks it was not just a one-time thing you know and um and you know like Solonteo, for example he also talks about uh the Icaros that are installed in the body as having Uh, a structure that can be painful when the structure like, gets out of place because of a bad movement or something of an Icaro, right? You need to put it back. Otherwise it's it's painful. Mm. You know, there are stories like that, that, you know, he, he tells. So we're talking about the reality of the energetic installation of, uh, you know, the reality of the real subjective experience, right. Of the Mm -hmm. installation of this uh, Icaro energetically. Um, for Juan, it's different, you know, Juan would say like, you know, he creates the Icaros uh, based on the, on the correct resonance, you know, that he can like put into that and he hears certain things, right? That's his way. And he says and encourages apprentices to start singing their, his Icaros because it's the same energy that, you know, you're moving, it's his energy that you're moving.
3: Mm, this is really interesting, because in yoga there you know when we 're working with mantra there 's a practice called nyasa where you 're installing the mantra into different parts of your body or into objects, and so you 're infusing it with the power of that mantra, of course, having learned the mantra from your teacher and and that the pedagogy of that teaching relationship is that. You try to replicate as closely as you can your teacher's voice. And you're not so much, you're not worried about words. You don't want to be cognitively, uh, you're not thinking about the words or anything like that. Your sole focus is to mimic the sound of your teacher's voice. And that's how it's transmitted. And it sounds like this is what you're talking about with Juan.
1: Right that's he doesn't he doesn't say to mimic the voice necessarily he just like say start singing the icaros, you know but it's like the same energy you know i'm like behind you mobilizing that same uh energy and moving mm. right. so you know you, you probably had also that experience that many of us have had where you just go to a ceremony with him and there are all these like new apprentices like singing and you're like oh no
3: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to say that but yeah
1: (laughs) but the but the you know below that you know there's another layer where you can also like step in you know the deeper layer of yeah or you know he's behind or something is happening that this energy is the same it's similar it's not you know kind of though apparently it could like, uh, be producing like a break in the flow.
3: Yeah. You know, that was actually something I was kind of worried about uh, before I went to my Antioch for the first time because I had heard that there can be really new apprentices singing and you know, the person telling me said, oh, and they could be really bad singers. And so, you know, as a musician, I was a little worried that that might be disruptive to my ceremony. Um, but what I actually found when I was there is that at one level as a musician i could recognize that the singer didn't have a strong voice or good control or sense of pitch but i didn't find myself like judging that judging that negatively or um taking it in aesthetically necessarily that uh if anything there was a feeling of like just real warmth toward that person that they were just going for it and singing and that they were young and learning like so there's kind of like this like tenderness toward the more experienced singers and you know it actually like made me smile quite a bit i just be like oh it's it's kind of like it's really nice because it's uh it's a real kind of school for the apprentices and it's like their chance to, to step up and and sing in the middle of the ceremony which is not easy <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you, I think
1: yeah. that you were uh, you were much more uh, uh, generous than I was at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 in terms of criticizing, but in terms of like the, how how that how uh, the songs and the changes and the different levels affected my internal experience, uh-huh. you know.
3: Oh, I definitely noticed that with those kind of singers that I didn't get the same kind of visions and I didn't have like a strong mediación effect. Um, but then, you know, the next singer could be very experienced and whoo, there I was right back in that space. So, I mean, I did notice that, that they're, they seem to be less effective on some level. Yeah,
1: well, I'm pretty, pretty sensitive to I Just like sometimes it's painful. You know, but it, it, it pain, it's a between a physical and a something else pain, painfulness, and uh, but that's me. And there are like different, different ways,
3: different level levels of tolerance.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I I have something I need to uh, to look at the time mm-hmm. and also uh, let my cat in because he has been meowing for the past fifteen minutes. Oh. Um, is that okay that we
3: yeah, you know it, I'm like i'm f- feeling really satisfied with what we've talked about it's actually we've i feel like we've covered a lot of ground, okay. um so unless there's something else that you wanted to cover, I think this is a great place to end it
1: okay, let's do, yeah, let's do that. there is much so much more and and I think yeah. that we also covered really nice, more subtle things, you know that um yeah. Are good, so and, I appreciate the time and the relaxed relaxed environment that you provide to just go for it
3: that uh, way. Well, I really appreciate you uh, going on this journey with me. Um, I've I've learned a lot, and uh, yeah, I thank you so much for sharing what you've learned along the way. And um, I'm wondering how people can follow you because uh, I know that you do sometimes lead retreats to Mayan Yaku and. And you teach workshops and things like that. So, how can people tune into what you're doing? Um, Is your website the, done yet?
1: My everything. I I'm the, the worst. <laughs> people find me word of mouth, basically. Mm. Um, no, I I haven't put my website together. I. You know, we have still the Roaming the Mind. That's kind of basically we're like writing, you know, uh, but my my contact information is there. And I, you know, I might do a retreat with women again. Uh, I know the story December of this year. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but the, that information is going to be posted in Roaming the Mind anyway, you know, and I hope to have a, a website by the end of this year.
3: Well, maybe I can help out with that. That's something that I do. So
1: <laughs> you do website? Yeah,
3: yeah we really? can t- we can talk.
1: We can talk about that because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have been putting this off for like fifteen years. <laughs>
3: I know. I, I was listening to an older interview with you, and um, I think at that time you said, "And like drsusana. Com should be ready soon." And I went to check, and there was nothing there. So. Maybe I can help out with that.
1: (laughs) I would appreciate that.
3: (laughs) Well, I just, you know, I think you're so great. And um, there there seems to me a real lack of female anthropologists and, and even people... Uh, working in the plant medicine world. So I think you're an important voice out there because you've been doing it a while. You've got maybe a different perspective. You're also from South America originally, but you've lived in America. So I think you really bring a lot of valuable perspective to any of these conversations around uh, plant medicine. So...
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, I think that I've, I'm not running short in like, you know, kind of presenting and being interviewed and stuff like that. You know, it's just much more like, oh, so where do I want to go with all this thing? And what I'm doing right now feels like really good. <laughs> so,
3: just Just kind of laying low and let things happen when they happen.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. If we can talk about that in another opportunity <laughs> for sure, you know, would be good. I would shoot you an email. Hey, can you help me if I just like finally do it, you know?
3: Yeah, let me know. Okay. And then okay. if you talk to Eduardo Luna, tell him that uh, I want to be on the archiving team if he needs someone. So,
1: <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, so thanks so much, Susanna. You. Okay. Super good to meet you. Good to see your face and your energy. Yeah. and uh, we'll be in touch bueno
3: bueno adios, adios. hasta luego
1: <laughs> bye
3: if you enjoyed this conversation please consider supporting the podcast and there are, are a number of ways that you can do that you can leave a positive review on iTunes you can share with your friends on social media or you can become a Patreon supporter where for only $5 a month You'll gain access to podcast extras and hours of resources designed to support your home yoga practice or you can leave a one-time donation via paypal this podcast is supported solely by the generosity of listeners like you so if you'd like to help keep it going please visit medicinepathpodcast.com forward slash support another way to support the podcast is to book an online yoga consultation coaching session or plant medicine integration session with me you can find out more about all my offerings at medicinepathhealingarts.com well thanks so much for listening i wish you peace love and all good things until next time we meet on the medicine path